What? Traditionally, they are Dutch, yes. The Stroop Waffle. Stroop How do you spell that? Do you want to open them? I think them so. And and open them and we discover can just them. We just them with, with, with accuracy once we've opened them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just thought they, they, on the packet, they look like those things you get on, in, on Starbucks. I like bird's eye potato waffles. This I is, like those. This is I'll get a packet of two. Do you remember bird's eye potato? Oh, you're too young. Caramel no, I remember them. Do you remember the Finders Krispy Kreme? Yeah, they used to throw like molten oh, lava inside. Yeah. You buy, you think, oh, they're nice and cool. You buy <laughs> it and it your face off. Like a Pop-Tart. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Pop-Tart. What a healthy I'd breakfast like, that I was. I went through a phase of quite liking Pop-Tart. Can you still get them? Oh, yeah. Can you? Well, the supermarkets now have got that like American aisle, haven't they? Am I shopping in the wrong place? Pop-Tarts are American. Yeah, 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 they are. No, from America makes them American. Yeah. Well, just because we've anglicized, had, haven't they? They've been yeah. anglicized. Just because we've had pizza here a long time doesn't mean we can claim it. <laughs> oh, look, pizza's not Italian. Clever. It's not Italian, is it? It's American. <laughs> it is. Is it? No, it's not. It's Italian. You fool. Didn't the Chinese no, the pizza, try and pizza claim pizza? pizza. What? Has more in common with American pizza than Italian pizza? Really? Yeah. Pizza pie. So this is a they're poor, aren't they? They're poor. What? Two what? bits of wafer. Yeah, exactly. And it says there's a sweet, indulgent treat inside. Well, it sounds like it contains Andy Hinchley. <laughs> it's like... It's got two bits of cardboard. Let me, let me have a look at these bad boys. There's one, there's one They're not bad one. boys, Stephen. We used to, we used to get Stroop waffles all the time from um, my grandmother, who lived in The Hague, oh, the Den Netherlands. Haag. Den Haag. Is she, trial, is she a permanent <laughs> resident? Is she a... <laughs> I can understand why. <laughs> My grandmother was on trial at the International Criminal Court for the 30 years she lived in. <laughs> that is a long trial. <laughs> is it one of those family secrets? <laughs> My grandmother's a war criminal. <laughs> so tell me about the street waffles. <laughs> <laughs> the quality of the biscuit seems irrelevant compared to... Uh, it's not really a biscuit, though, is it? It's like the biscuit not cake. It's not. It's neither fish nor fowl, is it? No. It's it's in a horrible no-man's land. I like it. Is mm. it a biscuit? A waffle's not a biscuit, is it, really? Where are they from? Holland, apparently. Den Haag. No, but these ones aren't from Holland. Beverly. Beverly. Is that East Riding? It's East Riding. We're not, the rest of us aren't really sure whether we want it. Yorkshire's only really West and South Yorkshire. The rest, North Yorkshire's a bit... It's just farmers. And East Yorkshire, basically Lincolnshire. Basically, if people from those places won medals at the Olympics, you'd claim them as a uh, demonstration of Yorkshire's international prestige. Yorkshire's sporting superpower at everything other than right. football. But when it comes to biscuits from Beverly, you're, you're willing to let a them bit, be, well, you know... I just be out on their own. They've got to earn their keep. They're not biscuits. Stop calling them biscuits. This is Set Piece Menu, the podcast where four friends talk about football over food. Welcome along, uh, everybody. The food has already been discussed. In fact, it is a dual operation today. Thank you very much indeed uh, to Steve for providing the Stroop waffles not, or syrup waffles from East Yorkshire. Not gone down East universally, Riding. though, have they? I might, stop, not might stop shopping at uh, Fancy Delicatessence. To, to Rory as well, homemade by his mother, mm. coffee buns. And so my mum makes, makes two tremendous bakery items. One is her coffee bun, which is world famous, mm. and the other is, a, is like a golden crunch biscuit, which I could eat until I die. I'm not sure it can be categorised as a bun, though. It's more of a cupcake. cupcake it's it a is, cupcake. Yeah. So we, it's, just, uh, we just always called them coffee buns. It. My mum is not a woman of pretension. She is Dr. Smith. She's Dr. Smith. No, look, well, not really. Do you, do you get to keep the, the honorific once you've retired? I'm not sure. I think so. Did Presidents in the States. Uh, I was always where I grew up was a little village outside Leeds. My dad would always, like if he went down to the shops to buy cigars, he'd always be greeted as Doctor Smith's husband, and I would be Doctor Smith's son, and that was how I was, I was known because she was mm. in a, a village doctor's position is is like a priest in a in a church. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a, it's a holy 
I just, so, do you know what I mean? Like, like Sam Allardyce. Did people go to a <laughs> confession? Oh, there's a, there's a lot of people who go to the to a village GP who aren't actually ill and they just go for company, huh. basically, and for a win. So she knew everybody's secrets. She knew everybody's That's secrets. That's pretty useful. She, there's two friends of mine who both had to go and see her with sexually related issues. Excellent. <laughs> sexually related <laughs> issues. Okay. Uh, Is that how she uh, discussed it around she the dinner did, table? She after? did not. Let me guess what James came <laughs> in with today. Uh, that's James Robinson. <laughs> uh, no, she, she didn't tell me. They told me. All right. Because I always have F-E-I after my name. It's not Andy. When you retire, it's still Andy Hinchcliffe, F-E-I, isn't it, former England international? You never lose that, do you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always important that you have to explain it, because clearly... I don't think I need to explain it, but it's just there, isn't it? Andy Hinchcliffe, former England international. Seven caps in brackets. I put it on all my letterheads. <laughs> do you? Yeah. How many letters do you send? Not many. No. Is that uh, how your post comes in? It does, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mr. A. Hinchcliffe, I don't know how they're going to fit. You know when they get the knighthood? I don't know how they're going to... It's going to be tricky. It's got a long name, Hinchcliffe. If you put Sir on there, it's going to get tricky. Just just at the front doesn't get in the way of the FEI. Oh, just do it in smaller font, don't you? If you were a lord, what would you be lord of? Lord of... The rings, the flies, the (laughs) (laughs) Sporting greatness. No, you'll be lord of an area, don't you? Yes, you've got to pick an area. Lord Woodford. Lord Woodford. Lord Hinchcliffe of Woodford. Lord, yes. Over the next half an hour or so, you will be in the company of not only me, Hugh Ferris, on this edition of Set Piece Menu, but also in ascending order of facial hair fashion levels, Steve Wyeth. Hello. Commentator for BT Sport, stubble only and very rarely. Uh, Just this morning's growth, actually. (laughs) You are a man's man, but as you've been criticised for that before. Uh, So Rory Smith is the chief (laughs) soccer correspondent of the New York Times. Rarely clean shaven, always neck beard. And Andy Hinchcliffe, former England international, F.E.I., <laughs> clippered and tapered to within an inch of his chin's life. It does look good, though, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I think, I think we did. How much work does it require, yeah, though? I mean, not a lot, to, to be honest. That. I don't understand the hairy neck business. Jamie Redknapp has a bit of hairy neck going on. And does it not itchy? It depends how long it is. I, just, I, oh. I don't really have time to shave often. You don't have time. Not really. How long was it going to take you? Five minutes. I'm a busy man. There's other things that take five minutes in life that you can maybe put on the back burner while you shave your stupid face, couldn't you? <laughs> Goodness me. He's an intelligent man as he's well. Got thing, he's got people to get back to on Twitter for crying exactly. out loud. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, do yeah. that whilst you're shaving. Got people to argue with on Twitter. Yeah. There is, a, there is a direct correlation between intelligence and length of beard. So the fact that he is an intelligent man means mm. that he has a longer beard. You you limit yourself, which but is understandable. See, I, I envy James because he gets full coverage. I don't have full coverage. It's, really, it's one of the like bane in my life. You have to have full coverage, don't you? When did you realise you had full coverage? Uh, would you, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? When did you, well, say that again. When you were a player, you didn't have. You were clean shaven, weren't you? To a degree. So when did you decide that you, well, you were going to mirror, rock this? Horrible! Look. I looked. <laughs> in that in that footage of you taking that free kick at QPR. Oh yeah. Your um your hair's awful. Oh what? yes. Nineties <laughs> curtains. That was uh, proper curtains. You said your celebration was surprisingly sort of pompous as well. It wasn't pompous. <laughs> I was getting pelters. Pelters from the QPR fans who were saying things like "you're not very good" and stuff like that. Yeah. Really offensive stuff. Yeah. Were they stuff suggesting that, that you weren't good enough yes. to be an international? They were saying, football. "How are you playing international football, you run-of-the-mill left back?" And I thought, <laughs> "I'll teach you lot. Watch this. Bang! Top corner. Won the game. Relegation. <laughs> See how you like them apples." <laughs>
Well, as ever on this edition of Set Piece Menu, we will be discussing one footballing topic before coming to the conclusion that there is indeed no conclusion. And that topic is, what is broken in football and how are we going to fix it? On a previous show, we talked about whether anything is ever new in football. Uh, please do go and check it out, along with all the other episodes as well. But this question is more geared to the old stuff that needs to go. And Steve has a particular B in his bonnet that he'd like to share. So we are going to uh, give you the floor to start with. I feel like it is the subject that deserves probably the most attention and the most time. So uh, off you thank, pop. Thank you for this opportunity to kick things off with one of the silliest rules in all of world <laughs> football. One that has its uh, ability to completely ruin what would otherwise be an exciting game of football. The away goals rule. Utterly redundant because it's used in two-legged ties. Yet those ties are played in two separate venues. Mm. One team gets the opportunity to play at home, and then the other team gets the opportunity to play at home. With the exception of extra time in the second leg, both of those teams play in their home stadium for the same amount of time. Why do we need this ridiculous arbitrary thing to separate those two teams at the end of 180 minutes? They've both had the opportunity to play in front of their own fans. They've both had the opportunity to play away from home. Why are you rewarded for scoring more goals away from home and not punished for being unable to keep them out in your own stadium? It, unfortunately, I can understand the idea that it's there to try and divide teams before you get to something that is obviously, as, as we all know, less than satisfactory, a penalty shootout. But unfortunately, teams have become very savvy and perhaps it did have a use at some point, but it's now become redundant because it has the ability to kill off what would otherwise be enthralling games of football. I'll give you a quick example. Let's say, take two teams we've met each other recently in, in the Champions League, Atletico Madrid and Bayern Munich. They are very, very well matched. Different types of football, but the games they've played out very, very close. Atletico Madrid score a goal late at home in the first leg. Sets us up beautifully for the second leg. How exciting. The team that played at home first are going into the away game, 1-0 up, couldn't be better poised. First half, 0-0 at half-time. Tight, Ooh, tense, the drum. really anxious. <laughs> Come back out early on in the second half. Atletico Madrid get a goal on the counter-attack on the break. The tie is all over. From that position, Bayern Munich now need to score three times. Very unlikely against a team as robust defensively as Atletico Madrid are. And, and a, a football match that could have kept us on the edge of our seats right up until the final moment is effectively over after 50 minutes. So where, was this rule presumably brought in? For this particular reason that you get, if you score away from home, you should receive more. It's, it's in essence, to stop goal. teams who are away from home yeah. just basically putting them behind the ball. When, when it came in, first introduced? I think in the, uh, the late 50s or early 60s. Mm. And the logic was that back then, in in the black and white time, it was... <laughs> just pre-chinch, I think we call it. Pre-chinch. <laughs> <laughs> Mid-chinch. <laughs> BC. Um, yes. ah. um, Before-chinch. <laughs> Yeah, I think they introduced it because you wanted to encourage teams to attack away from home, which is an, an admirable and honourable thing. It's quite an intelligent way of doing that. And because you were often in Europe playing in countries that were far away against teams that you, you wouldn't have seen a million times before, in stadiums that were unfamiliar and hostile. You'd had, I mean, they were travelling, I presume, by horse and cart. <laughs> so it was very difficult to get, it took weeks to get there. You had to go to Dinamo Tbilisi. And it, I think in that context, it kind of made sense. But I agree with Steve. I think it has become a complete anachronism. And I think it now does the 
opposite to what it was intended yeah. to do in that it encourages teams to defend yes. at home. Yes. That's the problem with it. It makes you, especially in the first leg of two-legged ties, it makes you think we will we will get away. So in, well, you don't we can't to afford that. to concede a whole goal. Better in the cha- in a Champions League quarterfinal, it's better to draw nil nil at home in the first leg than win two one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson during his time as Manchester United manager always used to feel as though if they played away from home first in a European tie, failing to score was one of the worst things that could happen mm. because that made them vulnerable to conceding a goal yeah. early on in the home leg. It, I, I can understand that there was a time when perhaps. Travelling long di- long distances for away games was was a huge burden on clubs, and therefore t- to offer them a carrot, you know, that an away goal would count double, was was a sensible way to go about things. But teams are just uh, are used, used to, to the it, travel yeah. now; they travel in comfort, first class. Blah, blah, most teams fly to fly to domestic games, so th- this idea that you know a European away trip is something that you know needs to be treated completely differently. That's not really the case anymore, and, and unfortunately, yes, there will be plenty of examples, and I'm sure people will, will, can, can tweet us at set piece menu and say, "Look, look at this game that was brilliantly decided by the away yeah. goals." Yeah. But I think, unfortunately, it, it has the ability to ruin a tie long before it's about to reach its natural conclusion. Whereas the only times which the away goal is is a benefit is at a point where you've got got to the end, and, and it, yeah. it can be used at a point as a tiebreaker, effectively. The incentive. Yes, exactly. Well, well, the the, the incentive has become a dis- disincentive. The League Cup does it after... Which is even more ridiculous. Extra time even only. Even more ridiculous. If you were going to use yeah. that rule, then use it after you've both played the same amount yeah. of time in each other's stadium. Why bring it in after one, one, one team's, one team's hour, had the yeah. extra half an hour playing in front of their own fans? And, and the, the playoffs semi-finals no away yes, goals absolutely. at all yeah. and I don't know if I'm trying to prove a point to back Steve up but some of those semi-finals have been excellent well, this, is, this is without what you want. needing you want that both away teams goal. regardless of whether you're home or away going to play well and win the game you don't want to say right this, this is the way it's going to be set up this is the way we have to play we use the rules as a mechanism to get through and that then changes the home game more than anything else the home fans think we're at home first we're really going to go at it we can't afford to concede a, so we play conservatively and it spoils the first game and it spoils the whole tie so the, the actual clubs are using this law and saying we have to work to the law rather than just playing our game playing brilliantly at the end of it as they do in the playoffs whatever it's, if it's 4 all, they go to penalties if it's 5-4 it encourages teams to really go at it in both games and remember the team that's playing at home second is very often doing so as a consequence of their success yes. early on in the competition they, yes. they've been seeded as such or they won their group or they finished higher up in the, in the league yeah, in the terms of the playoffs six, exactly, so yeah. therefore if you if you have to play an extra half an hour at the, the home of the team playing at home second then do you know what they've earned that right we, we, the away goals rule doesn't isn't required to separate them. They've they've earned the opportunity to have that extra half an hour. A penalty shootout is a, a test of footballing prowess. So actually, I've, I've no I've no problem with penalties. I think they're fantastic yeah. penalties because wait a minute, you put the ball on the spot. You're a footballer. We're testing your ability to beat a goalkeeper. Is that? I think that's a good way of. Yeah. I, I, I prefer it to be I that actually, way. I have less of a problem with penalties than I do with extra time in two-legged games. Because of yeah. the, the advantage it gives, it gives to the home one team, team and an advantage that they haven't necessarily minutes. earned. Yeah. And to yeah. take Steve's point that you can see it as a reward for success earlier in the competition, that does kind of make. I've not thought of it like that, but that makes sense. But it is an advantage that you're saying basically you two you two teams are level after 180 minutes of hot football action. Mm. Now we're going to give one of you a completely arbitrary yes. advantage. Yes. <laughs> The advantage should be yeah. if you've done better during the course of the league season, like with the playoffs, you get to play at home in the second yeah. leg. But, well, the, no but in European competition, you, you, the seeded team plays second.
and so yes, you, you already have an advantage. In, yeah, yeah. So There's to, the reward. to have the extra yeah. half an hour, Just, would that be that much of an extra advantage? It's, it's not. It, it, it's not something that keeps me awake, awake at night, but it is an extra advantage. And I th- the advantage is that you play at home second, which means that you go into your home game on your home stadium, uh, where you where you have, as results and, and data show, you have. In football, more than in any other sport, an advantage anyway, because you're at home, knowing exactly what you need so to no do. no extra time, so you'd say, actually, we don't need the extra time, we just go straight to penalties. I'd, I'd, I, if someone said to me... Because you're getting an extra half an hour playing in your own stadium. Or even Marco van Basten's NASL-style run-up penalties, which I don't have a problem the, with either. The one-on-ones. The one-on-ones, the eight-second yeah, one-on-ones. Oh, yeah. Imagine me, I'd be awful. You'd be tired by the time the ball was the yard line. <laughs> Not moving ball, that wasn't my game at all. <laughs> you'd, you'd get to sort of 25 yards out and place the ball. <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> Pick it up, put it down. <laughs> but run most, forward, put his foot on the ball, stop it, yeah, run back and charge that's up That's what most market. players would do yeah. because they're not used to going, what do you do going round goalkeepers? You'd have to go round him, do you? Well, there's only so many things you can do. Really, you're going to have to shoot at some point when you're a fair distance away it, and you can get it round it. you only finish from up to, what, 12 to 25 yards away? You, yes. Any closer, you get really scared. Yes. Were, were any of your 22 goals from closer than 12 yards? Uh, Manchester Derby diving header, which was a tremendous I think on goal. the angle, that would have been roughly 10 to 12 yards, wouldn't it? Yeah, probably, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, you're backing up, my, backing up your point there. <laughs> there wasn't a striker, though, was there? Were there any other headers? Was that the only header? No, I scored a terrific header against <laughs> Liverpool. Did you score any Actually, headers? it more hit me on the head rather than me head it, to be honest. But I wheeled away as if really? it was, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, go, I think it was David James came to punch it, completely missed it. The ball smacked me plumb in the face. <laughs> In it went, so that explains that, that a lot. Away. Away. Was Michael Owen, I think, scored a hat trick at Hillsborough. We drew three all. And, uh, well, I thought he was joking, Ron Atkinson, when he said, "You go up for corners." I said, "Would you want me to take them?" He said, "No." I said, "Well, what do you want me? Oh, you, oh, you want me to go and head it? <laughs> what? In an attacking sense? Are you mad?" <laughs> but it paid off with that wonderful goal that broke my nose again. <laughs> so if if we're we're going to get rid of away goals, I think, I think that the, I understand why away. Do- I'm not quite as anti as Steve, but I understand why away he's, goals. He's were so why aren't you yeah, as vehement? Because I, because I can understand why they brought it in. Yeah. And is it relevant now though? No, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. I think you probably, if yeah. you look at it in the round objectively, I think it probably has outlasted its usefulness. That rule. And there are several things, and probably the reason why we're having this conversation. There are several things which actually might have been brought in for the right reasons, but those right reasons do not remain anymore. The and we, we need to think about <laughs> <laughs> how best to come out the other side. So if you would like to make another suggestion. Well, I think that it, I, uh, one of the things I don't like about the way that we talk about football, with the, that we think about football, is the inherent conservatism, the idea that we latch on to these traditions that are very, very recent. And you saw it with the World Cup, when they decided to expand the World Cup to 48 teams, which a lot of people have a problem with. People say, no, the World Cup is perfect. It is. It's true. We'll stick with tradition. It takes back to 1998. I think that's so, yes. When the, yeah. That was the first 32-team yeah. World Cup. That, that's not... That's no more a recent tradition than Friends, the American <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate Friends. Do you know what I mean? The, you the, three in particular. Okay. You're not talking about our relationship. No. Right. I love our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Born in standard definition in the 1990s. <laughs> the, um, so it's, it, I, I really resent the way that... And we all do it, journalists, players, coaches, fans, everyone take something that, that is familiar and, and associate that with being history. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing. And the one example that I think is overdue, and they have suggested, I think I've been discussing it, is an intermediary stage between yellow and red cards. So I think that 
the yellow card was only introduced late 60s, early 70s, I think. It's very, very new. And I think it's maybe time that... The, because the way that the rules of the game have effectively changed, what's legal, what's allowed, what's... You know, you see it all the time, penalties that are given now that would never have been penalties five or, five or ten years ago. I mean, it sounds like a oh, traditional old man talking, proper football man. But it's true, like, the, the criteria for a penalty are different now. And it's the same with fouls, same with tackles. There's tackles that go in all the time that you think are perfectly... that look like perfectly good tackles to anyone who watched football 20 years ago and now they're red card offences I think it's time that someone looked at it and thought right we can it's not too complicated to have a, a tertiary stage somewhere in between yellow and red orange orange or a sin bin something like that can you not say something a bit more flamboyant purple something that really like distinctive but what kind of what red kind and of yellow orange is, could cause some confusion what, what offence are we t- are you, so, so I, a yellow card is just a yellow card you stay off yeah I would, I would red say card obviously what it is an orange card would be for things like tackles Two-footed tackles where you get the ball. I think you could say that could be an orange card. That's an, if it's a two-foot, you leave the ground, you're off straight away. I'm not but sure that's right. You should never need to tackle with two feet. No, you should. Maybe, or maybe not. Maybe you'd say one there's, foot. There's no, overly, no reason. To overly with two enthusiastic feet. one-footed tackles that are deemed too harsh, which are often reds at the moment. I think there's there's ways. I don't have a specific blueprint. Chinch, come on, be realistic. Thought this through, to be honest. I but <laughs> I would say that there is a, there is room there for for another stage. And the other thing that bothers me is I'd like to see a reduction in the number of substitutes. A reduction. Oh, a reduction. we were, do we well, were about this is, um, more. Yeah, this is well, not not more substitutions. No, no, substitutions. But more substitutes. Surely it's time for the whole squad to be available to a manager yeah, but that's because on of the your match day. Massive agenda because you've got a lot of corporate benchmaker sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> and th- those people who produce those car seats that they have now. They're, they're heated. I was at Leicester. They're heated. They got heated seats. Is that right? Those Recaro. Is it the Recaro seats? Like the the driving car, the racing yeah, car yeah, seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. heated. Recaro, sit comfortably. <laughs> Recaro, <laughs> heated seats. Sit comfortably. Know, We're sort of naming sort of eleven substitutes. <laughs> Most of you are never standing up. <laughs> it, it, I think it was uh, five until only about seven or eight years ago um, when yeah, the seven was was yeah. introduced. But the principle is, if you're a manager, you have all sorts of players to, to try and man-manage. And one of, the, one of the ways of at least attempting to keep those players happy is to always make them feel that they are eligible for selection. Mm-hmm. And also, there are, I think, there are probably contracts these days which have a clause in it to say, well, if I'm not going to be a substitute, then I'm going to be given a fee, which is compensatory. Ah. So if you can, there are so many financial man management issues that can be solved by basically like at major tournaments where yeah, the whole 23 championships are made available. The match, yeah. Is there any reason for them to not be made available? Yes. What lots, is that? Lots of good reasons. <laughs> the reason is that if you do that, it encourages the big clubs to stockpile players. The only hope... But you're still, li- you, but you're you're still limited to, limited size, to the 25. Yeah, but, but players, if you, if you put 14 players on the bench yeah. and say that's your sub- all those players will back themselves to get on the pitch so that it becomes more appealing to play for a big club at the moment you're involved on a match day yeah the limited number of substitution spaces means that there is a disincentive for joining a big club if you you know if you go to Chelsea you may not even be in the match day squad if you go to Manchester United you may not make the match day squad if you stay at Southampton think the players you seriously play. think about that when they're signing for a club that this they I might actually not get involved in the 18 I would like to think that Do for that. certain types of players not not obviously not superstar and Paul Podber I suspect didn't worry about no, that no. when he signed but I would have thought that for certain players like, especially young players going to bigger clubs that's, that would be a factor will I play at all might be a factor I think if you reduced it back to three you might find that clubs or maybe three and a goalkeeper that clubs might have to say actually we can't keep all of you happy and you might see a more even spread of talent 
but those clubs are still going to sign at least 25 yeah. players to make sure that they've got Not if a squad from which to choose for a long Premier League season they might they? find it harder to, f to sign the type of players they want to sign they might have to give youth a chance you, as cover. Your argument is very compelling. Thank you. Well thought out and eloquently delivered. You didn't say it's wrong, aren't you? No. <laughs> There's a huge but. But there is a much, much. You. you see, get, you're getting on this. Uh, what's going on this? We always get on. Do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's a much better reason why you're correct and Hugh is wrong. Mm. On BT Sports, their coverage of Italian football is exemplary. Absolutely. The people, that they, have, that. The people they have working on it are s um, amongst the most professional football commentators you will find in the land. I agree. And you. But in Italy... <laughs> there are some outliers. I do, I, I do do a little bit of it. In Italy, they're effectively allowed to do what the nation can do at a World Cup or a European Championship. And they, can, they name match day squads of 23, 24 players. There is no second string competition in Italy. Mm -hmm. So in order to keep everybody in the squad involved, there's no, there's no under 23 league in which they can give those players a run out if they're not, if they're not involved in the first team at the weekend. So they are allowed to do exactly that, to have 23 or 24 players on the bench, two goalkeepers for crying out loud amongst the substitutes. And do you know why that's a problem? You don't, you don't read I have names. to prepare for nearly 50 players to be involved in a football match that I'm commentating on, even though I know there's a, a strong, that like 15 of them are not going to get anywhere near being involved, but they are in the match day squad, which the club's announced 24 hours before the game. Mm -hmm. So it's there in black and white. These are the players that we have called up, the convened players for tomorrow's game. Here they are. So... Sit, no, it's like me it's hard have to sit down. You, yeah, because it's hard work it. for me. We shouldn't have more substitutes. This is always fascinating, fascinating about commentators. How much research do you do into each individual player? Lots and lots. <laughs> Just in case my boss ridiculous do you, about. Do you like to have like a couple of like anecdotes about you know? And here's Christian Puccioni, the reserve goalkeeper for, Sam, for Sampdoria. He enjoys fly fishing <laughs> and comes from a village he used near, to work near in a bakery. Yeah, uh, it's useful to have two or three things up your sleeve yeah. for each player. Not that you just blurt them out randomly, you, but if suddenly if that player becomes the focus of you know a close up due to an incident that's happened, you know it's useful to have something to contribute about that player that would uh, that otherwise perhaps. Perhaps if you get a really juicy fact, do you try and shoot on it? All the time. Yeah. Which right. is one of the, the cardinal sins of football commentary. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If you've got a really good one, you're desperate to use it. Yeah. 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 So I'm glad that we've uh, covered Steve's selfish reasons uh, for, <laughs> yeah. for not progressing selfish, football in that way. excellent reasons. <laughs> yes. Eloquently put. And what were the other two things you said about <laughs> those two things too? Well uh, thought out. Okay. So um, we're, we're not going to increase the... Did you want three substitutes? I'd like and to say, it was before it was five. It was three, wasn't it? You named... Well, you said three and a keeper, so that's four. So I'd maybe now have three and so a keeper. So four and a keeper, that's five, we'll go for seven or five. three and a keeper unless one of them is Phil Jadielka, in which case he counts double. So my first idea has been put summarily aside by the group, thanks. One for footballing reasons and, and the other for, for just sheer workload reasons. Yeah, but football's part of the media industrial complex, so I think that's legitimate. <laughs> and what about then uh, another idea, getting rid of FA Cup replays? <laughs> Who's against that idea? Well, we're looking financially for a lot of the lower league clubs, of course, it can be hugely important to be to play in the, the big clubs so financially is it is it more important now to have replays because it can earn more money for these clubs but I, I'd like to see FA Cup replays generally Cup replays it's just one game we decide it get it done get it over with yeah I, don't, I, I think that I think that will happen within is it because I've said so? Almost certainly. Yeah. <laughs> you are you are a man with huge influence I in am the, the voice of a generation apparently. it has yeah, been yeah. said the, um, no I think that'll happen very often the next 
I think by 2020, I think I have this thing that everything will change in 2022. That's that, that's kind of the nat- there will, that, that that will be a turning point for football because of the world, the way when the world is that like your Orwellian 1984? Is it the Smith 2022? Smith 2022, yeah. yeah. Smith, which was an unsuccessful World Cup bid. Just in the car. Yes, he's going to say how many rooms do you have? Um, so so it's going to happen at least at some point. And I think it is, is there, about time. Is there going to be any sort of compensation for those clubs? who would be rewarded financially for gaining a replay. No, that's too so, for example, to to have a seeded draw in the FA Cup so that the lower league team automatically has the game at home. Is that what they do in France? They, they seem to have a lot of, like PSG yeah. seem to do a lot of villages in France in the French Cup. Uh, there was a brilliant it story. could just be a happy coincidence. It might be a happy coincidence. They might just rig it. Uh, the, there was a brilliant story that, where a team from Réunion played yeah. Lille. In the French Cup this year, oh, because they're they're in, involved it, and that, they are part of France. Did Lille have to go to no, no, the in Indian Lille. Ocean? So oh, the right. Indian Ocean, the team from the Indian Ocean had to fly seven thousand miles for a cup tie to Lille and lost, and so um, which they would do because I think they were part time or whatever. But um, no, I think you really want to be drawn away, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're Lille, the you players, got the, it, yeah, the Lille players oh, are furious about we're it. We're at home. Need two weeks to switch the tides. <laughs> um, no, I think that. You, you could maybe build that in, but I, I think that the FA Cup probably earns enough money for those clubs. And also, how, how would you determine which clubs would need money? So you could maybe see the draw, but I, I suspect it's just cup replays don't really work anymore, I would say. Although people do like them. I don't. Could we not ju- just not get rid of the League Cup altogether? <gasps> that would give us a bit more flexibility. You know, what? my favourite term for the League Cup, Hardicus Folly. Is what it was. Used to, they, talk, they referred to it in kind of the seventies, I think, in certain in, in, in your, your chin strokey papers. As Har- <laughs> as Alan Hardiker was the football secretary who brought <laughs> right. it in. Yes, and the Hardiker Trophy is given to the yeah. man of the match on the yeah. final. And they brought it in basically because lots of clubs had built floodlights and they wanted an excuse to use them. That's ah. why the League Cup exists. So to have more to, midweek games to boost date, to boost date receipts. You can make a case now that I don't know somewhere that you maybe make the lead. You kind of run the lead up into the, and the Chester Trade Trophy together, and you end up with um, some sort of under Premier League teams, under twenty three sides, and football league teams. I think that might work. The Premier League teams are effectively playing under twenty three teams anyway. But that would, that didn't work this season. So why why would you? No, it didn't work this season at all. It's quite right. <laughs> in fact, there was an excellent piece about it in the New York that Times, I wrote, yeah, in fact, yeah. which I enjoyed very much. So one of my ideas has been dismissed, and the other one uh, I've been told is going to happen anyway. Uh, anyway. So well, I so hand the floor over to, to, to somebody else. Uh, Chinch, I'm looking at you because you're the person who's played this game, so you must have been infuriated by all manner of things. I didn't tend to be. I didn't think an awful lot. It probably showed in my performances. <laughs> didn't think a lot about the game I was actually playing. It's only now when you're prompting me to think about it. I do like a klaxon. <laughs> right. <laughs> this doesn't sound like it's going to be no, slightly it's serious going some, No, it's going somewhere. Oh. A clock. So the referee's not in charge of timekeeping. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So everybody in the stadium can see the match clock. So the referee, like in rugby, can stop and start if he feels he needs to, but it's not all on the referee. And if a goal goes in in the last second, you can clearly see and the timing is done independently. But the so referee can call time time on and time, time off. off. Exactly, right, okay. yes, because for injuries and stuff like yeah. that. So fine, he's in control of the clock, but ultimately that clock runs down to a certain point and the game ends and the big klaxon goes off and everybody knows. So if it's his ball's on the goal line, klaxon goes off, you don't turn around and say to the referee, oh, you should have played an extra half a second and you blame him. Yeah. The time is yeah. the time. That's a good idea. Do you not find it's a great idea, isn't that it? Is, that is a good idea. That the, <sighs> do you not find it odd that after 
45 minutes of football in the first half, mm. you always get one minute of injury time. Yeah. And then after 45 minutes in the second half, you always get four minutes four, of injury yeah. time. Now, some of that is the substitution. Yes. Yeah. But there's no way that they add on 30 seconds for each substitution, don't they? Yeah. Most substitutions, especially late on, take way more than 30 seconds. Deliberately so. Deliberately so. And there was a brilliant one recently when Michi Batshuayi came on for Chelsea at Anfield for seven seconds or something. <laughs> he came on. There was a bit hoo-ha about getting him on for whoever he came on for. Uh, he chased one long ball that went nowhere near him, and then the whistle went. And he just sort of thought... So he'd done his job. Oh, <laughs> appearance fee. <laughs> appearance fee. <laughs> but that's the, literally throwing money away. <laughs> <laughs> just don't bring him on. But isn't, isn't that the, the absurdity of, of the, the timekeeping rules, that you would add on time for aspects of the game. Scoring goals, that is like an objective of a game of football. So mm. why would you add on more time when a goal is scored? Yeah. The well, whole point the whole point being that's what you need to do to win football matches. And you're allowed to make three substitutions each per game. So why add on time when somebody does something that they're perfectly if you score in the 80th minute, you're not celebrate for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, but then that would be up to the referee, that's up to, the referee to police those things. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember the, the Manchester derby that was won by Michael Owen's late yeah, goal, 4-3 yeah, yeah. at Old Trafford? And and fifth it, minute of four minutes of stoppage time. Exactly. It was, yeah. it was three all. Uh, Craig Bellamy, I think, scored. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, just on the cusp, basically, of the, of the 90th minute. And one of the reasons given afterwards um, to Mark Hughes, city manager at the time, who's furious that the, the game was allowed to go on so that Michael Owen uh, could get his winner that 45 to 50 seconds was added because there was 45 to 50 seconds of celebration after Craig Bellamy scored. So, so City were penalised for doing what they were trying to do, equalise. Mm. So th the idea is, is that because that happened in injury time, it was then added to the yeah. end of Absurd. injury time. But there, was, there were days of debate and fury about this. If you had a clock which was very clock. very clear yeah. Yeah. and the referee made a very also a very very clear signal to start and stop time surely all of those things would be that's this is it exactly then it's taken out of the referee he's got enough to deal with anyway so just have somebody looking over the the clock keeping an eye on that just different aspects surely the referee can't see everything be in control of everything and ultimately one individual gets the blame and i think if you just take that onus away from him would you still like the idea if it didn't have a klaxon or do you no, insist it's on got the to have a klaxon but we can have we, we, can, we don't have like a rugby klaxon we can come up with a a different a sound a sound. What, what sound should we have to the end a football match? Hazard car. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we have to have something punchy. You can start it with John Anderson from Gladiators doing footballers. <laughs> Ready. <laughs> are, there, are there any other things? Like, do, you, you know, do, you, do you embrace goal music, for example? Or would you like... No, I hate... You know why I hate goal music? We played at the Riverside. I was with Everton, I think. They I got, I got goal music when you were playing. I got 4 nil beatings pretty much whoever I play with at Riverside. We got beaten 4 nil and they they played the what's the um every time a goal went in they played this clip of music song two by blur that's the one yeah for oh god i hate that song hate what, that song because of that because or of did that. you hate it already oh no 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 i don't think i did hate it. i didn't like it but then that didn't help and yeah, that's, but that, is that a bit American? Is that a bit kind of woohoo? Look what, at us, great woohoo! We don't need any of that over listen, here. Listen, I'm I'm up for making everything more like American sports. What about um, a doorbell when a substitution's being made? You know, just you know, ding the, ding ding a very loud doorbell. <laughs> Talking of American sports, what about the idea because they are timed in play, out of play, yeah. and it's a very very clear clock. And and if we'd like timekeeping to be taken away from the referee, what about the idea of timeouts? No. Why would we? Because for the, what the end of games in American sports are very, very exciting because 
essentially you clock manage and you are able to control the clock in your favor and as the, the seconds tick away it becomes part of the game you're trying, but it should be about the clock should be overseeing <laughs> the game the game shouldn't be played yeah. because of the clock and you're and you're talking particularly about um, american football in that regard Hugh, which has you know stops and stops and starts you know sequences of play and then it's a case of managing your your sequence of play isn't yeah. it to, to maximize what time is left on the clock obviously football as we know it is is played a little bit more organically than that um, I didn't really think that, that was a very good idea I just wanted three that got dismissed so there's well, my third well you've got a hat-trick well, <laughs> yes, <there> we <laughs> uh, well you can, you can take the match ball home at the end of this one thank you it's time before we go for Andy Hinchcliffe to wow us with another tale from his playing days with all libel worthy details and adult behaviour removed it's never mind Jack and Nori what a soccer story in, involving and sponsored yeah. by the use of klaxons <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure this will wow you but this was a, it was an end of season trip I was at, uh, at Everton and we we were travelling with Aston Villa. We we're going to Mauritius. End of season. Oh End of season. Yes, I'm sure it happens now. This was uh, the, the, the players decided on the venue, did they? <laughs> no, it was. This was supposed to be. We were just bound to go there because the clubs were going there. So obviously, it's a bit of a. Oh, it was a bit of a free to play football. Yeah, against, against, we played against the Mauritian national team. We played against each other as well. So there's Aston Villa managed by Ron Atkinson, Everton managed by Howard Kendall. So we're all kind of together on the same part of the aeroplane. So it's a long trip to Mauritius. It's a long trip. So there was a and an amount of drinking being done probably it's not me personally but there was a even though you were travelling there for a game it was end of season Steve so you can maybe understand the players were letting their hair down not Howard Kendall because he was bald but anyway so all the players are having a few drinks I wasn't because I was probably doing some sit-ups or something but anyway (laughs) just in the aisle that's a hazard by the way health and safety (laughs) so um, so it's a long trip players have been drinking and one of the players I won't name him got a little bit sick little bit sick and he happened to be a little bit sick on nervous his flying. seat yes was it yeah we'll say it's that and he was a little bit sick on his seat now Ron Atkinson on we were all covered or on his seat on the seat right. itself so um Ron Atkinson is a bit removed from this. He's not with all the players in the general riffraff. He's he's kind of a bit. And, and as we, I think we're about half an hour away from landing. So big Ron comes sweeping in with his. He's got his cream suit that he's going to change into for landing. So when we arrive and at the airport, there'll all be the, the paper. So he's. Got, I want to look. So he goes into the into the toilet and he changes into this kind of full cream kind of safari suit. <laughs> so it's nice to see someone maintaining some standards. So so he comes comes out of people the toilet. People do have travelling wear, don't yeah, they? Yeah, my dad. Yeah. My, my dad always travels in a suit. He's detracting from the story. This is the punchline. We're getting close. He comes out of the toilet. Comes out of the toilet. Always and there's this spare time. seat. We'll call it the sicky seat. But it's been kind of cleaned up, so you can't really see it's soaked into kind of the blue material. Howard Kendall is in the seat behind this seat. So Big Ron sees Howard and thinks, I've got to have a little chat. So he goes over and kneels on the seat oh my God. and leans over the back of the seat to chat to Howard, who is in no way capable of speaking at this point. <laughs> But he's there for a good, must be 30 seconds, trying to have this conversation. We're all thinking, isn't that the seat that was, isn't that the seat that was, Big Ron stands up and he has two big rings on his safari suit trousers of sick. Now, he must have known as he's kneeling, he must have been feeling. Squelching. This is, uh, is those suits. Soaking in. There's something going on here. And he stood up and he had two big knee patches, <laughs> but he didn't have another pair of trousers to put on, so he had to get on the plane. The Mauritian's going, right at his, what's what? he done to his trousers? He's got two big sick rings on his knees. I'm not mentioning the player that was sick. 
I'm not mentioning the player. Was he jumping to mention it? No. Yeah. No, I won't go do on. it. Go on, Andy. And other things that happened on that plane we cannot talk about. We cannot. So nothing really bad, but pretty bad. But that was the highlight of the trip for me. Big Ron. And then I was signed for him at Sheffield Wednesday. And I, as I was trying to talk to him and look him in the eye, my eyes kept moving down. <laughs> he must kneecaps. He must have assumed that they weren't kneecaps that you were looking at. Or perhaps he was that... just trying to keep up the fashion element of it, thinking, well, I've done it once, so I've got to keep it up. So if you're, you're going to Ron Atkinson and you're constantly looking, not you're averting your gaze to somewhere in his midriff. Not his midriff, his knees. I know, but he wouldn't have known it was his knees. He would have known. He'd give you an extra five grand a week for that, I think you gave me an extra 18 months on my contract because of that. Oh, what a day that was. Oh, well, thank you indeed uh, to Andy's soccer story once again. Um, that is all we have time for on this edition of Set Piece Menu. Please do subscribe, share and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Also, follow us on Twitter at Set Piece Menu. Uh, that's where we are on Twitter. Thank you to Steve, to Rory, to Andy and to you for listening as well. We'll be back with another Set Piece Menu for you to enjoy very, very soon. Where did you go on your next uh, end of season trip? I mean, after Mauritius, what was it, the Maldives? Did you play the Maldives? Beat, the Mauritius a, a damn good spanking. Not in that way. Out on the pitch. It was carnage. What did you say? Oh, I hear Hawaii's nice this time of the year. Maybe they, they got, well, we, could, we could educate them in the ways some of very good teams in Hawaii. Association football. Mm-hmm. We could do, couldn't we? We should do the podcast from there. Why do we do that? Perfect idea. Yeah? Perfect. They must, um, yeah, be a promotion, you know, promotion. Tourism. They'd want us over Tour- there, would Tourism they? promotion. They're very welcoming, I think, in Hawaii. Mm. Well, three of us, maybe. Not so much. <laughs> Certain people. No, well, not well, mind you with the things that, that they'll be on watch lists and stuff, aren't they? They're not going to let him in, are they? I don't even start off by. Do they have a Hawaiian watch list? <laughs>